Uh, I think it's already recording, to tell you the truth. I, I have two recorders. Oh, well, okay. Yes, fancy. Watch out. <laughs> I have a hardware recorder. This uh, this Zoom recording is yours if you want it, but I don't use it unless things go horribly wrong with the other recording. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, so anytime you're ready, uh, take a take a shot. All right. Hey there. Hi there. Ho there. This is Frank King, the mental health comedian from mentalhealthcomedian.com. And you're listening to Vroom, Vroom, Veer with Jeff Smith, reminding you that eight out of 10 people who are suicidal are ambivalent. Nine out of 10 give hints in the last week leading up to an attempt, which means you can make a difference. You can save a life and you can do it by doing something as simple as what Jeffrey and I are about to do. And that is have a conversation. Thank Uh you. Well said, sir. (laughs) All right, let me hit stop. I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Kimberly Brandt, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going good. Um, it's going really good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the invitation. I look forward to this conversation. I think we're going to have some fun. And thanks yeah. for laughing at me for very distinctly reading your name so I didn't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> I do that for everybody, not just you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, awesome. the worst thing you can do to anybody is screw up their name, right? So like, I try not to do that. Still do no. it, but I, I try not to do it. Yeah. Yes. So you are at walkerbrandt.com. So talk a little bit about what you're most excited about. You've got a new book or maybe not a new book, but a book. So talk yes. about what you want to talk about. I do have a book. Um, it's called Awaken, Discovering Yourself Through the Light of Your Innocence. And interestingly enough, it is sort of the result of a vroom vroom veer a veer a veer uh, yes as a result of a previous one (laughs) so life is just a a big list of veers isn't it with some vrooming in between right exactly i really thanks for getting that Uh, you know a lot of people it just goes right over their head but that's okay (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely absolutely because you know you know if you don't if you're if you're not clear on you're not meant to know yet you're not you know that's true what i think um for me, that's what uh, Vroom Vroom Veer, how I perceive it, is life. Because totally. life is is a uh, amalgamation of our experiences and choices we make as a result of them. And sometimes we're cruising and sometimes we're turning and sharply and sometimes we're just sort of, you know, moseying through. And yeah. I think uh, for me, it, it, it's a beautiful um, visual, those words bring up in me a beautiful visual for the lessons that lie. I feel like a student in this experience every day I wake up and I, I wonder what my lesson is going to be because I know I'm going to fall on my face somewhere. (laughs) And I I know I am. And somebody's going to look at me like, what? And I'm going to have to do an inventory. It's going to happen. It just is life. Right. 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 So, um, awaken, uh, it, it was interesting. I, 
prior to the pandemic, uh, many years prior, uh, my husband had a a life-threatening diagnosis, and that was a huge veer for me. I'm just rooming along in my work, and so is he, and it was completely unexpected. And I literally veered so sharply. I sat down, um, and I, my husband and I both did, and we said, "Look, how are we gonna how are we gonna address this?" Uh, because we're, I mean, we are a team. We're like lock arms. Let's do this. Mm, you and, and him versus the world. Uh, it's like kind of, but you know, I me and him versus big pharma. Uh, essentially, okay. All right. the influence of what we think or what we are told we ought to do, not necessarily, you know, going after big pharma, obviously, but big pharma owns our medical institutions and our doctors are trained a certain way. And if you don't remember that doctors, doctors are practicing, that's why it's called a practice. Right. You need to, you know, there's going to often, uh, be a, um, questionable result. So it's good to be self, uh, aware yeah, totally. and proactive, mm-hmm. do your homework, do your research. Don't take one opinion. No, you know? And, and so we sat down and made a plan and, uh, it wasn't typical, uh, what, you know, the average person does. We knew that because his doctor was like, Oh no, no, you can't do that. There's nobody, nobody's able to do that. People can't live that lifestyle. It's just too difficult. And my husband's like, watch me. And so, <laughs> hey, and, I've heard this story before. So yeah. Like, yeah, exa- yeah. If you get exactly. a, a life threatening, you know, diagnosis, you know, the last thing you want to do is what you're told. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, you know. there's a, there's a level of, even when you, you know, you walk a pretty responsible life and you've been taking care of yourself, shit happens. Yes. And you, you know, and you, you need to, we need to be able to adapt and remembering Remembering that that's one of our innate human skills is to adapt, mm, yes. is to be able to confront the unknown, right. is to be able to deal with challenge, knowing that we have this resilience within us, being able to lean into it, even though we may not have uh, practiced it in recent years in the way that we are being asked to now. Mm. That's what we had to sit down and and get in touch with is we were really going into an unknown and uh, mm. with a whole lot of known um, pressure out there and uh, and concepts out there about it. And so we, we made a decision that we weren't going to tell anyone about it. OK, probably for years. smart. OK, yeah. So. And we did this for years, which wasn't easy. I have to say it was really challenging to do because um, when you're watching your partner really suffering and going through pain and you're not able to talk about it or lean into anyone. Mm. Yeah, you're missing your support system kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Even though I'm spiritual, I lean into into spirit a lot and I, I really did find the strength there. It was challenging for sure because I'm a human being and I mess up, you know, and I, there, there were days when, you know, I could have been an easier mate and I was feeling the stress of it myself, which made my husband feel the stress, which freaked me out because I didn't want him to feel any stress. Mm. So there was like this interesting dynamic. And I, you know, like I said, I was cruising along my work, you know, working all the time and having, and it just literally made me, veer based on what our values 
um, and our commitments to each other were and our understanding of what life, what's important in life was to us at that time. And we allowed that to impact, you know, obviously how we made choices. Um, so I started focusing on, I started, I took homeopathy to, I, I dove deep into uh, preventative protocols and did a lot of research, went to school, went to Lash, um, wow. the LA School of Homeopathy. So I could learn after watching several videos on preventative and um, alternative protocols for curing uh, his particular diagnosis. So I you know, that was a huge beer because here I was, you know, being an actor and loving it. I love my craft. I love acting. It's so much fun. It is such a, and I'm just kind of going back into it now, which is really exciting because it kind of, what we went through went right into the pandemic, which pretty much threw everything into it. Yes. You know, so, um, and my husband's cancer free. Thank you very much. God, thank you very much for wow. effort, but he's, uh, it, it was, uh, quite the journey. And the, that veer of deciding I'm going to choose to learn what I can for the sake of my partner and our understanding, uh, it, you know, it could be perceived as, oh my goodness, why, why, you know, you don't know the first thing about homeopathy. Why would you put th that pressure on yourself? Right. Why, not just why would go, you do that? <laughs> yeah. Why not just, just go, go get the chemo, you know, right? <laughs> yeah. Just go with the chemo. Just go right. with, um, yeah, yeah. Just do it, do what they say. Mm. And, um, it's just not my nature. I have always been a questioning seeking person. That's so great. it's just my life, uh, it's been my life journey is to question and to seek knowledge and truth and understanding and to, you know, as I grow and learn, become more responsible mm. uh, for, you know, my own well-being and my family and understand what that means. I mean, there's been a lot of years not knowing, you know, as grow and learn, you know, I certainly spent a lot of time on my face <laughs> and on my knees, <laughs> you know, going, what the heck is happening? Yeah. Can I make a good choice today? Yeah. <laughs> Is it going to happen? Can it know? happen? Yes. Yeah. There's all, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's one good thing about surviving veers is you get to learn lessons. You know, some of the things like I was telling you about that comedian who's in that per persistent depressive state, you know, and, you know, some days you just have to kind of say, you know, if I can just stay alive today, that's, that's a win. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. If I can just Absolutely. make it through the day without, you know, just another serious depression, depressive episode, yeah. that's enough. That's enough. Yeah. I, that that yeah. today is a win. You know, you don't always have to like do anything other than survive the day. Absolutely. And that's okay. <laughs> and that is a hundred percent. Okay. And right. you know, it's, 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 that's kind of what came up because, you know, it was one of those days for me when it, when we got the, the news, it was, you know, I was coming home from a great gig and I had just, you know, I'm cruising in the car, you know, when you feel that a job well done experience. You were vrooming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just cruising, you know, you are literally vrooming. Yeah. yeah. Feel, everything just feels good. And I, you know, I walk in to the house and my husband's home. It doesn't make any sense. And he turns around. And I see this look on his face. And in an instant, this wash over my body that just, it's like cold, um, mm. chill. You just know that. I know that feeling. Yeah. I know you that. Know. Feeling. I think we all know that feeling. Yeah. And yeah. you just, something's wrong. And right. 
in that moment and, and his, you know, it's happening to him. And in this moment, the, the fear and what he's going through, I I'm not him. I'm not inside him. So I can't, you know, I want to make it better, but I cannot, you know, there's right. a point I cannot. So I, I have to listen at the same time, you know, he's having trouble even articulating what he wants to tell me. And he does. And, you know, what comes out is, um, this is a diagnosis. It is not a sentence. That's we good. have a choice. I like that. Yeah. You know, we have a choice. Let's, let's do our work. And I think in life, whenever we're in that cruising state and it's going to happen to everyone, you're going to cruise sure. and then right. you're going to have a choice. You're going to veer one way or the other. Right. And it's going to be based on what you've experienced so far, what you perceive, what you want um, mm. But it's all about perception of experience or what you are wanting that's going to drive you into your veer and being okay with whatever it is and gleaning, yeah. you know, that lesson that's there. Even if you come out the other side, me come out the other side many times where I'm like, okay, all right, I'm scraping for the silver lining here. <laughs> I'm <Yes>. scraping. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Because you can't find it. Yeah, it's too but it's dark. there. It's too it's dark. Always there. It's always and sometimes there. It's, yes. You know, sometimes when you're it's in not. it, it's nearly impossible. Exactly. When you're when you're in it, it's nearly you. You can't imagine. So, like, I, yeah, I think what you're doing with your book and with what you're talking about now is what I'd like to ta say. It's sort of like a mental version of, like a um, what do you call it? Like a vaccine. It's a mental vaccine. I mean, that's a bad word, but I couldn't come up with anything else. It's like you're inoculated against future veers, if that makes any sense. Because I, uh, when I get there and I'm in that darkness and I, there's no way that I would do this to me. Like if I'm a soul, right? Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't pick this path. This is effing stupid. <laughs> right? yeah. why, why would I do this to me? And then yeah. I remember that inoculation that said, no, no. Oh, yeah. you did. <laughs> so you yeah. did it for a reason, right? Yeah. So the, the next thing you have to remember is you're probably okay if you're still thinking and breathing. You're probably okay in that moment. And then you can move on and you can say, okay, what's the next stupid thing I got to do to get through this dumb day? <laughs> I, I've been there so many times now. Like, it's like an inoculation against dread, I guess, is what best I can. I never go doom, doom, doom all the way down anymore, which is kind of the point of this show. It's like, keep saying that. <laughs> exactly. And I yeah. think that's, you know, uh, that's the gift of uh, awareness, right? You yes. are making people aware with this. And I'm like I said, the Vroom Vroom Veer is such a, a wonderful sort of um, visual um word acronym for giving yourself, allowing yourself to live through your experiences and gain the awareness that makes your next steps perhaps a little bit easier and a little more informed totally. and maybe a lot better than you may have thought they would have been had you not veered. Right. That right, right. year was a, a lesson. It, it reminds me of a quote that I love, which, which is, you know, teach me the lesson and teach me it well. Let me teach me the lesson. Let me learn it well so that I don't have to learn it again. <laughs> yes. You know, I've learned so many, it's the same thing so many times. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah, exactly.
exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And some Failing of that the is course. <laughs> yes. If you fail the course, you have to do it over. Damn it. <laughs> Dang it. Exactly. And some of it, some of that is, you know, comes from something about that, uh, that veer that we repeat is familiar to us. Totally. And we keep doing it because we, in our experience, our mind, the mind thinks that it's normal. Yes. But something inside of us isn't sitting well with it. We, you know, it's uncomfortable in our body. There's our spirit, our hearts, another part of us, our other brain that's not the trained brain from experiences, from uh, impressions and perceptions from our, you know, where we grew up and mm. what other people have said, our influences. That part of our, uh, the dynamic of who we are, which is an amazing thing, has a lot of control for a large part of our life until we become more aware. And these veers bring us into that awareness of understanding that, oh, because we start to listen to that little twinge in our gut. Yes, that small, that quiet fresh. voice. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> small, quiet voice. Yes. Exactly. There's so many wonderful names <laughs> for, you know, for this. Uh, for, for Usually this shows up about three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, ex exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Can I just tell you how many years I spent? I'm not talking, I'm talking years, a long time, not sleeping when I was going through, um, my husband and I were going through this and I was trying to manage, you know, all the habits that my body had in it and my mind with, within trauma like this and shock like this. I had to, it, what these veers do is they bring up and trigger, you know, yeah, to, yeah. Coin, to coin a word that is used a lot. They trigger what's left in us, um, in our bodies that we're not aware of. And that for me is what happened in this situation is I, you know, I, it's been such a huge wake up and awareness, um, of what was still left in there. And, and there's still more, I know, because oh, yeah. why? there's, oh, yeah. there's more. And that drove me to, to reach into, uh, an, another community outside the community I was in and into another community that I've been in, uh, and I'm a personal development, um, enthusiast. I love personal development. So I always, yeah. you know, work it into, uh, whatever I do, because um, I've had to by nature of where I came from and the family I grew up in. So I've had to just to survive, but I wanted to do more than survive. I wanted to thrive. Mm. And I, I wanted to not be an addict. I wanted to not be a manic depressive. I wanted to be get beyond being suicidal. And these are all things and get beyond anxiety. These are all things I struggle with, with within my youth. And um, and when I reached back in, it was that right timing. And I came across and met some wonderful people. And one of them was Lisa Nichols. And Lisa Nichols. Ah, yeah. I've heard yeah. that name. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. She's wonderful. And she's the one that encouraged me to write a book. And when she said, and I, I share this often when, we, when I talk about my book, but she said these words, your book doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the person it can help. Right. And it's true. And those, those are just, you know, powerful words. And for the longest time, I was afraid to write about my book because or write about my life because um, it was so mm. personal and, you know, yeah. and I 
you know, and I, I didn't really share a lot of what I lived through with, with anyone. Right. Um, there were so many rooms and beers, rooms and beers. I mean, it was like, you could get whiplash hanging out with me in my twenties. And that's going back to when you were 16, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. even prior, just because, you know, I ran away when I was 13 the first time, but permanently at 16. Yes. Yeah, so I've been on my own wow. since 16. And that was a huge, that you is know, huge. It was huge. Yeah. And I, you know, I was rooming, you know, getting out and, and I made several beers because my life being responsible for yourself at that age, you're going to room beer, room beer, room beer, because you're learning yeah. from the environment around you. And you're learning on, like on hot coals because you, <laughs> when you're responsible yes. for yourself, you're like, yes. okay, can't make a huge mistake here because I'll starve. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. And I, I don't want to be out here. This is not a good safe place to be. I need to be, you know, I need to, I need to get my, myself together. Yeah. And so, um, so that I re I had, even though I had read books, you know, cause I'm always reading books that are written by, you know, I love Wayne Dyer and I, I just, love you Wayne know, Dyer. So, yeah. uh, just, you know, and Wayne and, Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart yes. Tolle. Yes. Yeah. Of course, uh, miracles, all that good stuff. Yeah. Course of miracles, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Marianne Williamson. Yeah. Amazing. So this, yeah, been in my life for 30 plus years, these names, these people and their spirit. So I, at that point going through this with my husband, when I was, in homeopathy. And I took some time to focus on that and uh, limited the amount of energy I was putting toward my work. Um, cause I had to, because my work was about feeling great, looking great. Right. And frankly, I didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was really hard to feel great and go in front of the camera and feel really, you know, and totally. I, I did it as long as I could until right. I couldn't take it anymore. And yeah, I didn't yeah. No, I, I just need to let myself be and, um, and deal that's with one truth. You really can't hide if you're like physically unwell, you can't hide that. Yeah. There's not enough makeup. <laughs> There's not enough makeup. Exactly. You got that right. Jeez. Jeez. Yes. There's no yes. lighting. So good. <laughs> That can make yeah. you look well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this isn't a virtual environment. No. <laughs> this is pre-pandemic. So right. yeah, it it um it was interesting. And so writing Awaken became it, I literally just sat down and wrote it within about four months. So does um, it kind of like read like a memoir? Is it yeah? Like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a memoir. It's a story of my journey and um, what I, you know, the choices I made, the good ones, the they're all good. Even the ones that caused a lot of pain and suffering for me, I feel they're all good because they all had such lessons in them. And um, there was there was the thing that I, I wanted more than anything in my life has kind of been um, the theme, the through line for my life is I wanted to to give love and receive love. I wanted to know what that was like because I knew in my family throughout generations that that was something that was not valued in the way that allows people to feel really cared for, really free and okay with who they are, all their wrinkles and I'm, and I don't mean warts uh, and all. Uh, yes. I'm, warts and all inside and out. Yeah, yeah. There was just a lot of that just wasn't allowed. And I think there was, you know, generational, um, not just my family, but societal generational training that made men behave a certain way, women behave a certain way, totally. 
treat each other, you know, mm. uh, a specific way. And so I write about that, how it impacted my family, how I just knew at a young age that this was not, it was not uh, my life. And I, I went into nature and nature showed me that I was a part of something much, much bigger. Wow. And that opened my mind in such a huge way. And I spent a tremendous amount of time escaping the dysfunction of my family in nature, which expanded my perception from the influences that were the powers in my life. You know, mm. your parents are your first, you know, the powerful right, right. people in your life. And oh I, I saw the power in the trees and I saw the power in, in animals and I saw the connection. I saw they responded to me. Dangerous animals didn't fear me. I was, and I didn't fear them. I felt comfortable with them. They felt comfortable with me. Mm. So I, I learned that, okay, I could be, I'm actually more afraid of those people than I am that right creature. yeah yeah it could kill me. i can i can yeah. relate because yeah. you know animals like you you can predict the behavior right like if you're not messing with them and they're not hungry <laughs> you can yeah right they're not looking to screw you over or you know screw mm-hmm. with you you know they, they don't have that capacity right yeah so if you yeah. see them and they're in the wild yeah they might be dangerous but you can you can more or less get a vibe right okay yeah. All right, no, that 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 little wolf is cool, you know. We're not, yeah. we're not. That coyote's cool. <laughs> He's probably exactly, yeah. exactly. And and my particular experience was with snakes. There were a lot of snakes. Oh, wow. in, yeah. In Santa Barbara, there were a lot of rattlesnakes in particular everywhere, and I just had no fear of them. I saw them all the time on my own. And I picked you them up. Give wide, wide, wide berth. Ooh, you picked them up. Wow. No, what I are actually, you, like 13, 16? I, oh, no, no. I did this when I was a little girl. Oh, wow. And okay. I just didn't feel any fear. In fact, it used to freak my mother out because I would come home with like alligator lizards that were half my, you know, that my goodness. My little five-year-old hands. <laughs> wow. We were, you know, out in, we definitely um, did not have restrictions on it. it was get out of the house, go out and play. And we were yeah. gone you know, dawn till dusk. Yeah. And at a I very young age. Days. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that doesn't the, happen you know, anymore. <laughs> no, it does not happen. No. And, uh, but, but, you know, I learned a lot in that and, um, I learned a lot about myself, but yeah, I just never felt fear around these snakes. In fact, I picked up many baby rattlesnakes, which are even more dangerous. I just learned how to pick them up from my family. Uh, my, uh, my uncles and, uh, my mom, especially, she had a thing for um, animals as well. She could pick up tarantulas and snakes and she wasn't afraid of things. So we grew wow. up not being afraid of animals, but I, I just was out in nature all the time and I felt really comfortable. Of course, salamanders were my favorite because they were just so cute. And so, <laughs> they were just so, <laughs> you know, yeah. I loved that. But yeah, they didn't. Uh, snakes didn't coil around me. They didn't like, you know, in fact, there was a cave where I grew up called, uh, grew up in a place called uh, painted cave in Santa Barbara. And now the cave has bars on it, but it didn't have bars when I was a little girl. And I used to go in there and take naps in there. Well, snakes notoriously like a cool, dark place and then they go out and heat themselves up and they go back into. And so there were snakes in there when I was in there and I was in there just dreaming about, 
you know, what my life could be as a little girl, I would fantasize and, you know, I was bionic and I had all <laughs> kinds of superpowers. I could talk to the animals. I could, the birds could hear me. The hawks would talk to me. Yes. I, had a, I remember yeah. that when I was a kid, I did that. Yes. Exactly. I, I remember like I was obsessed with a squirrel. I named him. We were having conversations. I wasn't crazy. I was just a kid. <laughs> exactly. And now, yes. you know, what's interesting, you see, you literally see on Instagram people with squirrels who have done, I just saw one the other day, this woman who put out a little treat for the squirrel and the squirrel brought her a little treat. Brought oh, wow. her a little treat. And <laughs> That's it's like, awesome. It is awesome. You know, we, we as a species are evolving and are the way we're seeing animals and perceiving animals as having their own you know, uh, identifiers of what's safe and what's not, everything isn't under us, but we are in a connection with all living things. Totally. That awareness is changing the way that the, the natural environment that surrounds us engages with us. And I think that's why we see so much of this now. And this is, this was my life as a kid. I just, yeah. I lived this as a little girl and it helped me to have that courage to go out into the world at such a young age to make a choice and say, I'm leaving this house because I can't survive here. I know I can't, I need to go. And knowing that this huge unknown world that I would be okay. I just, I knew it inside mm, me, even wow, though I wow. experienced crazy stuff with I bet. <laughs> the two legged <laughs> two legged more than the four and the eight and the, you know, uh, yeah. definitely. Wow. Um, experienced more scary and uh, and risky and threatening experiences with people than I ever did with the with the natural environment. So that changed my perspective. It expanded it. Yeah. And, and this was back when you're like really young. Yeah. This is when I was I was playing by myself outside from the age of five, four and a half, five years old. Wow. My mom, right. my, my family were, you know, they were present, but they were um, they were. Uh, preoccupied <laughs> <laughs> trying to find the right word <laughs> preoccupied having kids was really not a priority it was kind of a burden so i was like get outside and play great we just moved to the mountains and we have a huge playground go go yes and, yeah. and try and not yeah, to die I, yeah yeah exact try not to die but oh gosh i look back at it and i think my gosh there's so many times that could have happened i could right. i went for miles, I would go so far away, climb trees. And like I said, around snakes, and there were, you know, just a lot of animals around and a lot of circumstances that, uh, you know, that, that could have happened, but they didn't because there was a symbiotic caring. I cared about where I, I was, and I felt it caring for me. Mm. And I yep. think that is kind of how we create our reality is if you feel like you're not caring um, or uncared for care for something because True. you will end up receiving it. It will give back to you. That's our natural, that's the nature of our existence. The, the, um, the symbiotic relationship of creation is when you give to something it, the tendency is it gives back. Oh, yeah. And if, even if it doesn't, you are rewarded from the giving. So you right. get to give yes. from giving. And <laughs> True. Uh, yeah. That was one of my favorite things that I remember from reading all those books was in order to keep something, you have to give it away. It never made any sense to me, but it's true. 
know. I love the fact that there's paradox built into this stuff. You know, it, yeah. if there's a paradox, keep going because that that in a weird way makes sense. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. You know, and uh, gosh, it's just such an interesting experience. I, like right now, as I'm, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you, I don't know what, you know, I have plans, but I do my best now to pause and allow myself the choice to make a choice to, when I feel that urge uh, that I think I know where I'm going and what I want, that I allow for the possibility that there might be something else. Right. And, and that's kind of what, you know, happened with Awaken. You know, I've only known myself as an actor right. uh, and a performer uh, through for 30, 28 years, you know, at that wow. point. Yeah. And that's amazing. And, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's all I knew. And then all of a sudden I write a book and I'm, you know, speaking and I'm working with, you know, within Lisa's community and I'm coaching and I love, love coaching leaders, uh, to transcend that limitation and to harness, you know, that, that the art of powerful communication, which comes from, you know, my years of being a spokesperson and being an actor and speaking other people's words. And I under, you know, the, the combination of where I came from, what I worked through and I would have never known. And the career that I just kind of was directed to would come together and create, um, something inside of me that benefits others that they need to, to transcend a limitation. And I happen to have a recipe and some uh, experience on what it looks like to make that choice and courageously map out a path that leads to what you want, the success you want, the happiness that you're longing for based on what you, you think inside you dream about, not what's come in from the outside what's influenced you, what's, what you perceive that is your, that are your choices, but something that's inside that is like knocking on that door. We all have it. We're all here. It's in my, you know, opinion, I feel like we all chose to be here, chose the life we're in right? and we get here and we forget why <laughs> and we go, what was I going to do again? <laughs> what was I going to do again? You, like when you go into the room and go, why did I walk in this room? What right. did, I, did I, it happens. And we forget. And we go through these experiences, which are like your of the room, room veers. And it d- drives us closer and closer. Mm. We learn, we shed some of that, those veneers, those impressions, those influences, those limitations, those things that we think belong to us that really didn't. They belong to generations before us. They belong to a story that's not ours, that we didn't write, that we just right. happen to step in and be a part of. We don't have to be the whole story. We could just be a chapter right. um, or a few lines in the chapter. And so right. getting to that point, you know, that's what I, I just love to help be a catalyst for that kind of change. And and that inspiration that arises in those, in the people, in that individual themselves, it's, it's just, I reflect it. And so they see it in themselves. And that to me is really rewarding. So before we, we're getting close to wrapping up was really good show. I like this. This is fun. Um, but I have to just point out, so you had a 30 year career acting. So doing like TV movies, uh, television commercials. And so you started that as a emancipated teen is, am I, am I getting that? 
No, you. I did <laughs> I, not start as a math. Oh, okay. All right. I would, sorry. Well, I started the modeling aspect of it. Yes. Okay, uh, I was gotcha. 18 when I started modeling. Yeah. Okay. And I moved to Italy. Okay. So yeah. Wow. As an emancipated teen, I did move to Italy when I was 18 years old and I did start that aspect of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been 30 years and I'm still working. I'm still auditioning. I'm still going out. I'm still working with my coach. And I absolutely, like I said, love the craft and I'm able to focus on it more now uh, than I have been because I just, for whatever reason, something, you know, it's been a, a subtle, like, Oh, okay. This is where I'm going again. Right. Uh, even though I, you know, I, I have not stopped just during the pandemic. I de- definitely, a lot of us stopped working, Sure, uh, but that, uh, that's when you kind of have to lean into the voiceover thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I leaned into the book and I leaned in. I work, um, I work, like I said, with Lisa Nichols. I work within her community. I'm one of her speaker advocate coaches. So I am a contracted coach and I, I do work with her. And I worked with, you know, worked with several leaders since I wrote my book, which has been really, really interesting and fun and developed this. Like I said, had no idea that I would ever coach. Right. And it is a really fun thing to experience and to um, to have gone toward and, and, and receive that opportunity. Um, my heart is definitely into watching that. Like I said, there's, there's a passion, um, that is, you know, within me to see that it, it's so lovely watching people step out of what they perceived as themselves and into who they really are. And you help people in, in this, in these ways that you're talking about. So I've been there. So I've been in two places that I'll mention, right? Like when I was very young, I did really well in a base talent show. And I, I was competing in two categories, stand-up comedy and MC. Mm. So I got, I got number one as MC and number two as comedy. I never did comedy again because I really hated writing jokes. <laughs> So I was basically just winging it, right? But what I learned in that experience was that that sort of like indiscriminate adoration is what I'll call it. That like, wow, you're really awesome, right? From a crowd feels really good. (laughs) Almost like a drug, right? It is. Right? So you know that, right? And immediately that still small voice, and I think I was like 18 or 19, said, yeah, you can't handle that. And I totally backed away from that whole thing because I was like, yeah, I I think you might be right about that still small voice because that felt like too good. Then the other thing that I wanted to say is I randomly say something nice to somebody. Like during the pandemic, I was like tech support, right? I was help desk, this is Jeff, right? On the phone and a lot of the... um, my coworkers were really struggling with putting together their work from home gear, right? Mm. Like, yeah, you have to be able to know how to set up your own microphone and keyboard and mouse. And, you know, you have to be able to do all that. And, you know, these people don't, (laughs) they've had people doing that for them for years, you know, now you're asking them to do it. And, you know, if I could just like say, let's just slow down. It's all good. Let's work through it. We'll get there, you know, and then you, you finish it probably took too long. <laughs> it was probably, you know, but they're like crying with gratitude, right? Yes. And that little moment is like the right kind of drug for me. That's the one that I'm drawn toward, 
if you, yeah. if that makes sense. So like the uh, uh, indiscriminate adoration of praise from, oh, that was really funny. No, <laughs> yeah, don't want yeah. that. Right. But thank you. Thank you. You know, thank you for taking time and seeing me as a person. Yeah. 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 I, I fully relate to you uh, in that because that has been the the obstacle, the thing that has been the hardest for me to deal with um, as well as an actor. I knew I had a red, you know, a, like a red flag come up and I write about it in Awaken. Um, and I moved and went and got went and bought a horse again. Um, okay. And uh, I grew up with horses, so I uh, I always would find horses wherever I was. They were another, uh, they were an animal that was very therapeutic to me. So I would seek them out. Mm. And uh, there was a time in my life in my twenties where I knew I needed to go inside, and I was getting that kind of uh, adulation. Um, and I was, you know, really vroom vrooming, and there was. I had the same exact voice that said, um, this is not, you're not prepared for this. Right. Emotionally, right. you cannot, you need to. And it's interesting. I took a, a real veer into another direction because it was, it was, uh, I was still working, but it was a direction that was more important to me. Um, it was about caring for others. It was about love. It was about helping, um, children, and, and through that, it was helping that, that child and me, obviously that needed, it was the giving, the giving to you also, unbeknownst to me at the time, it was just a veer, but cause I was too young to really recognize it. But it, what, what it was is I was healing and helping through the helping and then healing through the helping. Right. Um, yes. And, uh, and that was, you know, but I have the same exact thing, um, when people would, say, um, things like that to me, it made me really uncomfortable. Um, it, it didn't make me feel like, uh, I, I mean, I knew that it was a drug that people got addicted to because I had a lot of friends, you know, in the industry and I could see what it was doing to some of them. Um, and I, I, for me, it made me so uncomfortable. It made me contract. Right. Because by the grace of God, I just had that sense that I wasn't prepared to manage that correctly. Mm. So I needed to heal. I needed to recognize that that was about them. I, and it took me up until totally. just you know, recently yeah. Yeah, yeah. where I could, you know, separate. If somebody comes up to me and does that now, I recognize it's not about me. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have anything me. to do with you. <laughs> It has nothing to do with me. And no. I, and, you know, it's like, awesome. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Or I'm glad you saw that. And that's cool. Mm. And I, it doesn't, it's not personal. It's no. personal when we have something that's unfinished and unhealed in there. And it's filling a hole that needs to be filled with our own love. Right. Ourselves, yes. Our own appreciation for ourselves. When we get that from the outside in and it feels so, so good. It's that's the moment to go within and look and say, I need to love the, you know, what out of myself right now, because that felt like, right. you know, water in the desert, which means <laughs> yeah. self love is like, I am, you know, crawling in the hot sand here. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't have never articulated that in my twenties when I sensed it, I just knew that I needed to not embrace it. And I didn't. So I ended up veering and still working, but veering, but not to the level 
and to the focus to my agents and managers chagrin. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> not happy with the choices I made. They all want, I, they want to make money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They make money when you make money, right? So, they make right. money when I make money. Right. And that's fine. You know, that's great. But I'm not going to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> Making new. them money. Right. Exactly. And A that's lot what of people was. have, unfortunately. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And True. I could see them in my head. I could I could feel that, that um, connection to them. Mm. And I could feel it. I, you know, I met Sam Kinison. I met... Uh, uh, Robin Williams. I met some mm. brilliant, brilliant artists that are no longer with us, and comedians, and uh, many other comedians. But and uh, talents, and the ones that are gone, there was that just that feeding. You know, now I'm right. not saying Robin Williams. Um, he's he, you know, was just a brilliant genius, and um, unfortunately suffered a terrible disease. Right. Uh, but the uh, yeah, the, Sam Kittison was definitely on the on the was, train. Yes, he was. He yeah. was on that, and it just fueled him. And right. there's a lot of people in my family that have that need to be, and it's that addiction personality. And when you don't mm. heal the addiction, yeah. you just transfer it. Totally you transfer it, and it you is go get true. another one. <laughs> people get another one, and you yeah, don't realize right, that right. the intangible right. You don't realize that intangible energy transference from a crowd or an audience is extremely addicting. Huge. It's huge. Huge. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a definite lonely place and we've all heard the stories and seen all the stories and um, it's not something I wanted. So I feel really grateful for all my room, room veers because they brought me to the point where every single time. I come back around and I realize I'm rooming. I know there's going to be a veer and I know I have more information on how to take that veer. Yes. I, you, you've it, been inoculated. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a black eye slide. <laughs> black eye slide. It doesn't wow. have to be that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I've actually had a black eye slide. So. So have I. So have I. It does not have to be that. It's another story. We'll save that for show number two. Yes. So, okay, we're wrapping up now. We've had way too much fun talking <laughs> about way too much rooming and veering. But so uh, you are at, again, walkerbrant.com. So talk a little bit about how people can best get in touch with you and check out the book. Yes, my book is available on audiobook and uh, it's available on Amazon. So you can find it on all the audio uh, channels, the um, Apple and Spotify and all of it. Um, my website, walkerwalkerbrand.com. You can reach me through there or DM me on any of my social media Facebook, Walker Kimberly. I am Walker Kimberly. No, Walker Kimberly and uh, Instagram is I am Walker Kimberly. So um, DM me and reach out that way. And I would love to hear from you and hear your story and hear your vroom, vroom, veer. Yeah, <laughs> and if yeah. mine related to you, hang in there because <laughs> it's just a cruise. It's a road trip. <laughs> It'll get better. It, it, It'll get better. If you're in the dark, you can't see the light. Sometimes you just have to, you know, survive the day. That's the lesson that I take away. Sometimes that's enough, you know, surviving yeah. the day. Whatever you got to do. Yeah. You know, just survive. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I want to share one more thing. There's a word. 
words are are loaded for us. You hear the word love, it makes us feel, you know, that feeling. You hear the word joy, you hear the word fear, you hear the word overwhelm or terror. These are all loaded over years and years mm. within our psyche what what the meaning is. So I encourage anyone who feels like it's never going to end to say this word, a beautiful friend of mine named Michelle Colt and Robert Colt gave this to me many years ago when we first met each other, the word temporary. They taught me about this, these words that are in our internal thermostats and they, they literally can shift us subconsciously without even realizing it. And the word temporary was huge for me. Whenever I felt that feeling like, I was just, is this going to end? I would say inside my head and out loud, temporary, temporary. And let yourself say it and let it sink in because your body and your mind have a connection to that word and its meaning. And it calms your nervous system because you, your mind knows temporary means it's not forever. Mm. Your body knows there's going to be relief. And right. when you say it over and over, it shifts your nervous system and you start to calm down. And then uh, Janet uh, Bolte-Taylor's wisdom comes in that it's 90 seconds, 90 seconds of feeling goes through our body that experience that biology. Wow. But after 90 seconds, if it's still there, it's because we're putting ourselves into that experience with mm. our mind. Right, right. That makes so, sense putting that word, putting a word in there, tem temporary, just a simple word and sit and say it, watch how your nervous system in your body and your mind starts to expand instead of contract. I like that. <laughs> we could talk forever, <laughs> but this show uh, is temporary. <laughs> You are a comedian and you are an MC. You your truth. I applaud you. <laughs> Walker, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for about an hour. Hang out for a sec. Don't hang up just yet, but I'm going to end the show. <laughs> okay. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double -E E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.